Welcome to Rebirth of Venus, the podcast where I talk dirty about spiritual evolution, the self-love revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and I want to thank you so deeply for being here. Hello, everybody. I am tired. <laughs> Venus put me through the ringer today. I, she wanted to go out to lunch and then she wanted to get a fancy juice. She wanted new this. She wanted new that. She wanted to go shopping. And the funny thing is, I know these things sound like, Caitlin, you're just, you just wanted an excuse to take yourself out and have a nice day. But the thing is, I really spent the day following these intuitive hunches, these inspired actions, and just kind of ended up where I ended up. And uh, it was an adventure. But um, I really wanted to make sure I was really in alignment and really attuned before dropping this episode today. And you're going to find out why. But um, that's why it's coming out a little bit later today. But as always, you cannot rush these messages. You really can't. And that's one thing I'm starting to really learn you know, I used to approach magic, manifestation, my personal development, the way I really approached everything, which was with lots of effort, lots of hard work, <laughs> you know, earth sign life. But um, I mean, it's it's really blowing my mind more and more to realize how much more impact the actions I do take have when I do so from a place of alignment. And by alignment, I mean a place of feeling good, of feeling in tune with what I'm about to do, and of really being present. That's really what it comes down to. And I mean, I notice it in these podcast episodes, especially. I mean, I really try to be, to make sure I'm at, like I said, as present as possible, as tuned in as possible before recording. But the episodes where I've been a little off, are less popular and the ones where I'm really on are more. So anyway, this is a this episode was really important to me and so it was really important that I was fully ready for it. <laughs> so here we are. Here I am. So this is episode 8 from Pluto to Venus. How to survive when your entire life burns to the ground. Ooh, I want to start out by, with a few disclaimers. Well, not disclaimers so much as just warnings. Um, there's going to be some heavy content in here. Um, definitely nothing graphic, nothing um, super, I really don't foresee there being anything triggering. However, um, I am going to be honest, there will be some discussion, although not into the super, super de gritty details. Um, there'll be enough details to really get the point across, but I'm not going into the, you know, the real specifics of the situations for, to protect the people involved. Um, but there will be discussion of total life, life upheaval, <laughs> a lot of discussion of heartbreak, um, divorce, emotional abuse, um, 
there will be some discussion of medical problems. Um, what else? I think that's everything. There will be some discussion of mental health issues. Like I said, my my purpose with this episode, which I'm going to go into depth with in a few minutes, my purpose is to for this to be really, really valuable for the people who are experiencing something similar. So with all that in mind, use your best judgment. Um, if you feel like it's just too much for you and because you are in the middle of it and it's not helping you, please revisit it in a future date. But um, I say this really just as a, a light warning. Like I said, my intention here is really for this to, this is for those who are going through this. And what I mean by this, I will go, I will go into in a minute. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just, just use your best judgment. So with all that said, um, I'm also going to say one other, not warning so much as just maybe a little explanation. Um, I'm feeling, I, I, I woke up today knowing this was the message I had to share. And I know that, um, that this is going to be really, really resonant for a few people who I know individually. Um, and, and again, as always, when a few people are going through something, it means there's a collective shift happening. And so it's, I knew it was the time to share this message and that's why I'm doing this. However, I will tell you, I'm going to be fully honest with you guys. Sharing a lot of this, it, it freaks me the fuck out. I mean, I'm going to be sharing a lot of things that um, only my closest friends I've have, have discussed with me. Some things even my closest friends haven't discussed with me. Um, again, my, my purpose here in spilling all my tea is not 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 for clickbait, <laughs> but it's because I know it's what has to be shared. So I'm a really, really open person one on one. Um maybe too open, <laughs> but the idea of just who not even knowing who's listening to this, it freaks me out. And that's also how I knew it was an edge I had to push. Um, I, I couldn't let my own fear get in the way of sharing information that could really um, not just benefit someone's life, but change their life. And, um, and that's what this is. <laughs> so with all that said, from Pluto to Venus, Pluto the planet of death, destruction, and transformation. Venus, the planet of love, beauty, abundance, prosperity, and appreciation. I mean, these two energies could not be more different. But as I'm going to show you in this episode today, they are part of this continuum that to be reborn, something has to die. And that's where we're going today. <laughs> so you may feel right now like everything has been burned to the ground in your life. Maybe it's a few things in particular. Maybe it is literally the entire structure of everything you rely on pulled out from under you. 
we're in a period of serious, serious change. And depending on where you are in your healing journey, you may be in the period of pain or you may be coming just coming out of that. And in telling my story today, I'm my purpose is twofold. It's to show you what happens when you ride the wave and have faith. I'm also going to show you that even with riding the wave and with having that faith, this process is not easy. But woven in my story today, I'm going to be presenting what I call sort of my protocol. <laughs> and it is, it is what you must do in these times of possibly excruciating change. And if you do, if you follow this advice, I promise you, you will experience such an incredible rebirth. What is on the other side will be so, so much better than anything you could have ever imagined. And it's so easy to stay stuck in what's happening to you. Forgetting that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And I really, really, I don't believe that, I know that. Because there are lessons to learn and if you try to plow through this process and just get past it and numb yourself with your numbing agent of choice, <laughs> we all have different ones, <laughs> you're not going to get the lessons and it's actually going to prolong the pain. So sit down, grab some tea, some coffee, some wine, some whiskey, <laughs> and uh, get comfortable because this is going to be a long ride. So in tarot, there's a card called the tower. And in the traditional wider rider weight deck, which is if you're not familiar with tarot, it is sort of the consider like the original tarot. It's not the oldest tarot, but it's the oldest sort of popular tarot. And in the traditional imagery, there's a picture of a big tower, kind of like a castle tower being struck by lightning, and people are falling from the tower. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's one of those cards that if you don't have a deep knowledge of the tarot, like death or the devil, these cards that you pull and you're just like, ooh, that does not look good. Like, it, it, it's scary. But like those other cards and like every card in the tarot, there is a shadow side and a light side to absolutely every card because everything in life has both. And so I'm actually going to read the description of the tower card um, on, from one of my deck. My favorite decks is the Serpent Fire Tarot. And the, uh, um, the creator of that deck, Devony Wolf, she, her descriptions of the cards are just really moving to me. And so even though I don't necessarily consult the book for like every reading, I... You know, I, I read intuitively myself, but 
I just love her descriptions so much that I actually rely on them when I just really want to get back to the essence of what the card means. So I'm going to read it to you guys. The tower is the sister card to death. While death represents deep external rebirth, the tower represents deep internal rebirth. It runs so deep that it can feel like the structure of your very soul is crumbling, that there is nothing to cling to. The abyss opens up and swallows you whole. Yet, here is the opportunity for perfect love and perfect trust. As you fall, you are cleansed. Once the process is complete, you will be more fully healed than you can imagine. It is time to place your trust fully into the hands of the universe and engage in basic life hygiene. Be kind and patient with yourself at this time. And for each of the cards, she also says a shadow meaning, which if you some people read with upright and reversed cards, I personally like to infuse my reading with both meanings because, again, everything has both depending on your approach to it. So I'm just going to read her description of the shadow of this card. You may be resisting the free fall. Try to surrender the best you can because by going through this life-changing process, you are welcoming many new wonderful things. So today I'm going to talk about my year of the tower, 2017, my tower year. And I'm going to be talking about not just my personal experiences, but the, this, this archetype of the tower. I'm going to be talking about uncrossing and unblocking spell work. And most importantly, the consequences of that spell work and how to manage them. I'm going to be talking about this archetype of the dark night of the soul, which ties into the tower. It's that moment when everything is so dark around you, you have nothing to cling to. Everything you were familiar with is gone. And you have two choices. You can give up or you can trust because you don't know where you're going. So you can't even have any comfort in that. You can't see in front of you. All you can see, see is one step ahead, if that. And so you can give up or you can trust. So... Early 2017, almost exactly two years ago, I was feeling like something was just off, like everything I was trying to do in my life had, wasn't moving forward. And I was feeling I had, I had gone back to school for interior design Um or I was in the middle of, of that program. And 
I had started my business um, uh, several months prior. I had was working um, as a holistic interior designer. I was helping people with decluttering, with creating a space with intention, um, kind of combining my loves of feng shui, witchcraft, and creating beautiful spaces. Really teaching people how their physical spaces affected their lives and how to harness that power to their advantage. And I was having some success, but it just was, I felt like I was just pushing so hard. And in my previous business, I hadn't felt that way. My previous job, I hadn't felt that way. It just felt like things weren't moving. And I was living in in the greater, the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Northern Virginia. And I was living in the suburbs, more or less. The metro accessible suburbs, as I say. <laughs> it's like just close enough for you can be like, it's not really the suburbs, but it's the suburbs. Um, I was married. Um, I had been married at that point for about a year and a half. A little less. And I was happy. Um we had talked, my then husband and I, not to do the spoiler alert, but <laughs> we got to be realistic here. Um, my then husband and I, uh, we were had talked about leaving. I was really unhappy in D.C. that I knew. I mean, I had amazing friends there. I still do. My family was close by in Baltimore, but I knew I did not want to be there. I had sort of really accidentally found myself there um, in our because of our relationship and um, – so we, we talked about moving, doing a big move. I mean, at one point we talked about moving to Hawaii. Um, we had some friends there and just absolutely loved it there. We talked about um, moving to New York City. I mean, that was something I've always wanted to do and, you know, be a great place for me as a designer. Um, and that was just at a, such a standstill. It was at such a standstill. And that in particular, it, I felt like my my husband had he was always looking you know, he he was he was on board to move and you know when he but he wanted to find another job first, which was fair. And you know I encouraged him to look, but it just didn't happen. And and it wasn't that I you know was blaming him. I mean I understand it's really hard to make time for that like a job hunt and potentially huge move. Um, but I felt like something was just, you know, holding it back. And so um, we had actually gone. It was this was January. We were in New York City on a trip, um, just a, you know, for fun trip. And we. I went to my favorite occult shop enchantments and I had a candle carved for me. And um, if you're not familiar with carved candles, it's, you know, candle magic is something I practice a lot of. Um, but at Enchantments, they make really beautiful carved candles with, like, glitter. And you can look them up on Instagram, actually. <laughs> and so I was, you know, whenever I'm there, I like to get a candle carved at Enchantments. Um, it's fun to have somebody else can, like, work their magic. And they're very powerful witches. So um, I even though I work my own magic, I actually really love outsourcing to other witches, both to support them from a business perspective, but also because um, 
when other people work magic for you, they don't have the same blind spots you do. And so the results can be a little more powerful sometimes if it's an area that you're very blind in. Anyway, so I explained the situation to the gentleman who was carving candles that day. And I was like, I think I, I don't really exactly know what kind of spell I want, but this is very par for the course there. You, know, you can kind of explain what's going on. I said, you know, I feel like this move, there's just like something holding it back. And he said, well, let's do an uncrossing or an unblocking. Same thing, two words for the same thing in most traditions. And basically what that does is it removes any obstacles in your path. And I say, that sounds great. So we did that. Um, I brought it home and I cast the spell. You know, you cast my part of the spell. You don't just light it. You know, you have to put your intention into it. And I, I sat with it and I um, lit it, you know, and it burned seven day candle. That was that. And um, I didn't really think about it again. But what I was going to get was the most powerful magical response of my life. And the funny thing was I actually didn't learn from that. And I, and I cast this, a similar spell again at the end of, near the end of the year. And um, again, had things, you know, had, had a stronger result than I expected. So I want to start before going into the story uh, to talking about uncrossing and unblocking magic. Here's the thing. And, and this I didn't, I didn't know. I was ignorant. And it wasn't his job to educate me. So it's not like I blame him or anything. The thing about uncrossing and unblocking magic is this. We don't see where our blocks are. We don't see the path. And nine times out of ten, the things that are in your path are things your ego is not prepared to lose. Because here's the thing, in Uncrossing Magic, you, and let me backtrack, some people in some traditions refer to Uncrossing as a spell that kind of like removes any negative energy from you. Um, in this, in the case of this podcast, I'm going to be using it to refer to like an unblocking or a road opener working. So road opener, unblocking, what I call an uncrossing, all the same thing. So I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. Heads up. There are other people who use different terms. Just be aware of that. Anyway, I I was ignorant about – I actually never worked one of these – I've never done one of these workings myself. And um, the thing is, is that anything in your path is going to be removed. And here's the other thing. The universe takes the path of least resistance. So if, for example – you don't like your job and it's not serving you, that job's going to go away. And, of course, the specifics, who knows? It's going to serve you ultimately, absolutely, in your highest good. But it, that, that can be really hard. <laughs> Same thing with any, any of these big things. And I say the big things like jobs, relationships – because they're the things that our ego holds to the strongest. Now, here's the thing. You shouldn't be scared of this kind of working because the, these things that don't serve you, that are in the way of you and your, and your highest potential, they are weak. 
their weaknesses in the foundation. And they're going, they're going, they're not going to be around forever. Eventually, you know, say it's a relationship that is in your way or that's, you know, what's holding you back is like a weakness in the relationship. That's eventually going to catch up to you. But it might be 30 years down the line after 30 years of pain <laughs> or unhappiness in a, in a uncrossing working that could happen in a month. And if you're not ready for that, that can be really hard. I mean, we're human, you know. So now I know to always accompany one of these workings with a protection working beforehand, starting with a protection working. And, I, and I'm not going into the details of how to do these workings. Um, it's really important that you do your own research and that you do it resonates with you. Although, as always, I'm happy to answer questions. Um, doing a general protection working. Now, that's not going to change the outcome, but it can it can make it, it can allow what happens to be um, a little it can be to be a little more compassionate. And that's what I, I kind of think of uncrossing workings as kind and unkind. <laughs> you know, there are the things where you are like, oh, this threw me for a loop, but you know, I think I'm better off without it. And then there are the things that you just thought were fine, and then you're like, what? Where, what's going on? <laughs> and that's, you know. So it really depends on your personal comfort with with, you know, do you prefer trial by fire? Do you prefer burning everything to the ground? Or do you prefer to like, you know, make one change at a time? So that's the big difference here. So it's not that you need to be scared that you're going to cause, if you do one of these workings, one of these spells, you're going to cause one, something terrible to happen to you. That's not what's going to happen. Whatever, whatever occurs, it was already going to occur. The change is just in the speed, okay? And um, you know what? I think it was actually fate that I didn't cast that a protection spell beforehand and that I really received like a real trial by fire as a result because, I mean, I have a Sagittarius moon. I've got a fiery moon. I have Pluto and Scorpio. That's not fiery, but that is, you know, I'm an all or nothing kind of person. And this is this it happened how it had to. So again, it's not to scare you, it's just to warn you to really make sure that you're ready. You're ready for this. So I burned the candle and I didn't think anything else about it, to be honest. And that was in January. Now, in January, I renewed my passport, um, I, and I had an intuitive hit. I, I thought this was after the candle. <laughs> We're going into the story time now. And I, th I had an intuitive hit, and I thought, you know, I, I'm going to do a lot of traveling, I think, this year. You know, maybe in the future years. I should just get the, the thick passport. In the United States, you can choose – I forget the number of pages, but one is like double the amount as the other and cost the same. So I thought, I'll just do that. And I, um, and that was that. And so I did that. I was planning some travels, a couple of international trips myself. Um, and that was why I did it. I, I had to expedite it because I waited until, until the last minute because in 
February, I was going to Marrakesh on a spiritual retreat, and I needed to get it renewed before then. So that was what I did. So I went to Marrakesh for a spiritual retreat, and you know, again, I knew something had been wrong, but I wasn't sure what it was, and I wasn't really that concerned about it. I, I wanted, you know, I, I knew that it was it was deep, and so I did a lot of really deep healing on that trip, um, and I felt something shifting, but I didn't know what. So and I and it wasn't like, you know, it, it was something I internally, deeply internally, I felt shifting. Um, and yet, you know, I came back, that was that, um, and I, I did, had no idea my life was about to completely change, completely change. You know, I did, I did some deep internal work, but it wasn't like I had a, a big, you know, like a big download. I was just like, oh, something's off but no I'm not sure what it is I'll figure it out and I do some did some internal healing it was very powerful but I came back and, and I had no idea my life was about to change completely forever so I returned home you know to my seemingly happy marriage my my seemingly non-toxic routines <laughs> and you know the thing is I mean despite the reality was, despite my years of self-development and spiritual practice, I was actually blissfully self-unaware. You know, I actually had this really, really deep cavernous part of me that the shadow that I had just pushed a lot, a lot of aspects of myself into and, you know, the reality was my identity as an entrepreneur, um, my now um, identity as a married woman, these identities, I actually found some solace in because I actually had this part of me that was so buried that I... I realized now I just wanted so deeply a semblance of of a normal life. And I mean, in no, and I, you know, in no way was I like, you know, I was still me, you know, went to Burning Man. I, you know, was into fire spinning and, you know, art and, you know, travel and lots of cool, fun things. You know, I wasn't like your Stepford wife, but I kind of was. I, I I really actually felt an immense pressure to be respectable. And it was really funny because I, I in no way did I hide the weird aspects of myself, but I I really felt like I had to balance that with like like just like a really strong sense of success is really what it came down to, you know, like to prove that I could be weird and super successful. <laughs> that was kind of the mission I was on that, you know, my life, I could like have it all. And so I had this really deep part of me that I was, um, really, really 
that I really ignored. And, and that really evolved into some very toxic, toxic behaviors. Um, I had stopped drinking, um, for about six months. And I, I believe at this point I was, yeah, I was still not drinking. Um, and I, because I, I had experienced, I'd realized it had gotten the presence of alcohol in my life had become very toxic. And, um, I just knew, I realized it was something I had to do. Um, but I was still doing lots of other things. I mean, I was overworking, working just so incredibly much. I was overspending so incredibly much and, um, really just self-sabotaging aspects of my life in a way that was really, um, really toxic. And, but I was very unaware of all of that at this time. And so the depths stayed where they were. March. So March, I went to an event that I produced at the time, um, a fire performance festival. And one night I had the clearest download of my entire life. Now, I wasn't any – I wasn't a newbie to having visions. That's actually always been something I really um, – that I notice pretty, pretty consistently when I'm at a period of, like, a big life transition. I um, I would have a flash, like, such a clear vision, a visual vision of something happening. And, you know, for example, it happened before I married my husband and I knew I was going to marry him. And um, I have had it many other times and I had the clearest vision of my life. Just sitting around the fire. I realized, well, I had a clear vision and I came home. And something was wrong. I mean, I knew what it was. But Venus was, Venus was retrograde. Mercury was retrograde. And I was like, I am not going to jump into any life changes with this fucking astrology on the table. <laughs> but my husband was very perceptive. And he was very, very intuitive about my feelings. And he knew something was wrong. And and my in all of my intentions to wait a month until everything was direct to and see how I felt then, they um, fell to the ground. I had to be honest with him. And um, he and I mean he was I had to be honest with him. Um, he is an amazing person. But I knew that I wasn't in the right place. I told him I didn't want to have children, which I honestly had never wanted to have children, but I, I had gotten to the place where I wasn't horrified by the idea anymore, but I'm going to be honest with you. I truly, truly 
felt, oh, well, I'm at this point. I mean, he really wants kids. Like, it'll probably just happen and I'll be fine with it. Literally, that was my thought around it. That was how willing I was just to let it ha- let things happen instead of facing the reality of what I desired. Um, and this is why, I mean, self-development can be a trap. Because if you're only cleaning up the surface and you're not diving deep into the scary shit, the shadow, um, you run the risk of the same thing happening to you. So I told him I didn't want to have children. I mean, he wanted to have them about a year ago. <laughs> and I told my husband of less than two years that I didn't think I wanted to be married. And this was really hard because it wasn't even that, like... It wasn't even that I, um, it wasn't even that I like wanted to leave him, but the reality was I had the clearest vision of my life. And I realized that as I had that vision of exactly where I was headed, exactly what I wanted, I realized a few minutes later he, that he was nowhere in it. And I knew it was that was not fair. It had nothing to do with not loving him. But it just I just knew this was not right. And that was much harder. And I'm gonna be honest with you, like as I get into this, it's scary to imagine who could be listening, you know, and judging me. Um, because I have received judgment. Um, we have positive will towards each other, but you know, it's hard to imagine somebody, especially somebody maybe who's involved in these stories hearing this, but I'm going to keep going. So April, I enlisted two of my best friends to help me get rid of everything in 24 hours. I had 24 hours in between two trips I was taking. Well, no, I had a weekend, but 24 hours when before he came home, he was also traveling at that time, and we both agreed it was going to be best for me to do it on my own <laughs> and him not be there. And so they helped me get rid of everything in 24 hours um, and get rid of it either to their homes <laughs> in the case of things they claimed or Goodwill. Everything was donated, everything else, um, with the exception of a, just two storage boxes I put in one of their homes. And I moved out with two suitcases, some travel plans, and something I had never felt before, which was faith. Because I realized I had no choice. Because already my life looked 200% different than it had two months ago. And here's the thing. I did not foresee any of this. Because if I had seen it, none of it would have happened like this. And so here's the thing about intuition, you guys. It's easy to look back. I mean, I could have looked back and think and thought, oh, my intuition told me to marry him. My intuition sucks. <laughs> but here's the thing. I also realized that I, even though I saw clear as day marrying him, I never, ever saw us growing old together. 
And I just, I didn't even realize it. Until later. And so, take your intuition literally sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean, anyway, so... Another thing about intuition is that it's easy to think like, oh, I can't believe I didn't see any of this coming. I'm supposed to be an intuitive. But if I had seen it coming, I would have made, I would have, I, I wouldn't have let it happen the way it did. And that was how it had to happen. And so I actually believe your intuition will hide things from you. Things you're not ready for. And that was exactly what happened with me. So I remember clearly having lunch with a friend a fellow witch and I said I am just riding the wave I mean every time I had an idea of like what was happening next something else completely different was happening and so this was you know only the very beginning of the journey and I knew deeply and intuitively that if I held on to any of this I was going to suffer suffer so so deeply now, this isn't to say I didn't feel pain. Obviously, I felt pain. I felt guilt. I felt shame. I felt, I just felt, I felt stupid. I felt really, at the end of the day, though, a lot of guilt. A lot of guilt. And I'm going to be honest with you, that guilt, it, it, it took me... I mean, many months to break through that. Anyway, back to the story. So I, uh, I knew deeply I had to relax. I had to resist. I had to stop resisting. I had to ride. And I, you absolutely must do this if you are in the middle of the tower crumbling. Because if you don't, Anything you hold on to is just going to be ripped away harder than you can imagine. So when you see things starting to disappear, you have to know that whatever is on the other side is going to be so much better than you can imagine. Because the universe only trades up. <laughs> I heard that somewhere and I was just like, oh my God, that is so true. And I look back to my personal experience, especially in terms of my tower year. And this isn't like, you're going to get something better, but it is, it's going to be better for you. And here's the thing that I finally realized when it comes to ending a relationship and feeling guilt around that, a relationship never ends. And this is an idea that I also read somewhere else or heard somewhere else. And I wish I could remember where so I could credit this person because this idea really put things into perspective for me a relationship never ends because it's good for one of the people the universe is not like oh like this relationship isn't good for you but you're really but it's really good for you but you know you just get you're gonna get screwed it's fine you know it's always the best thing for both and I absolutely know that now absolutely without I mean I knew that then and that was what I reminded myself of. This was for the for both of us. You know? We both needed something different. So if, if the destruction of a relationship or family structure is part of your tower situation, you have to trust. Trust that you're doing the right thing. 
and that the other person will be happy you did. Maybe much later, maybe not. So that was what carried me. I would ride the wave. But there was so much pain. April. April. I I mean, I immediately left, you know, and I was lucky in some ways that I I already had this trip planned and I and that was my vision. So I had an online business at this point. And I had a lot of travel planned throughout the year. And I knew I didn't want to stay where I was, but I didn't know where I wanted to go. And so in, in typical eat, pray, love fashion, <laughs> many people that year actually told me, oh, it's just like eat, pray, love. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I actually read the book because I think I mentioned this in a previous episode because I was like, OK, I'd seen the movie and it was like cute, but, you know. I was like, that's not me. (laughs) And I read the book and I was like, oh my God, it's so me. (laughs) Even how it ends. But anyway, so um, I don't want to spoil the story. So the, you know, things are moving, things moved so fast. And that was the theme because I didn't resist things moved fast, so fast. And here's the thing, what's worse? I mean, like a lot of people would love to be, you know, realize they want, to leave a relationship, but like try to work through it for a year just to be sure. But I was sure. I was sure. So, I mean, what's a year going to do besides make us hate each other and put us both through pain? I mean, fuck that. A lot of people will guilt you and be like, you just didn't try. But you know what? If you know you're not happy, you owe it to yourself and the other person to move on or to move. (laughs) Moving on takes longer. So I was lucky because I wasn't stuck in the same place and I had all these travel plans already. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to travel in between those plans, make more plans and just see what's next. And I'm going to work remotely on my business and it's going to be great. And so that was what I did. So I immediately went to another event that I was going to and um, I... And I um, had a chance meeting with someone who I connected with. Now, keep in mind, at this point, I had only been out of this relationship for about, I don't know, three, two weeks, three weeks. I don't even know. Now, of course, we both, you know, completely um, agreed that we were going our separate ways. The relationship was over as we knew it. And we were going to... And he, and he said, and he was immediately moving in the process of divorce proceedings. He also was like, okay, let's just, let's not, you know, let's get this moving. Um, and we were very amicable through the process, which I mean, I, I just can't even, I can't even express how grateful I'll forever be for that because I mean, even when family, even when family got involved very negatively, very, very badly, um, he held true to his values and expressed his needs and um, handled it really well. And so I'm forever grateful for that. 
So at this point, I was only, you know, it only it hadn't been very long, but I had a chance, a chance meeting, a fate meet, a fateful meeting with someone. I'm not going to say their anyone's names, obviously. Somebody who um, I really connected with, um, who I met on the last night of this event. And we just we decided we were going to see each other again. Um, he was also he he was also doing a lot of traveling. Um, he was on a on a sabbatical, a work sabbatical for like extended work sabbatical, and was traveling all over the world. And um, so we agreed we we're going to meet somewhere again. Didn't know where, um, but we were going to see each other again. Um, and but I had no idea what an impact he was going to have on my life. Um, this was a man who I would later travel with extensively um, and who I would have a long distance and the most abusive relationship of my life with. Um, but I didn't know that. So I later... Um, so later that month, I traveled to Mexico for, you know, blowing through all my savings <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> um, I traveled to Mexico for, uh, another spiritual retreat. And, um, while I was there, it was amazing because I had actually written to a friend who had gone through a divorce, um, because I didn't know – I really didn't know anybody who had gone through divorce. I felt really alone. I knew two people, a, you know, a friend nearby, a good friend who was very helpful. And then something told me to reach out to this other friend who was, you know, more remote. You know, she lived in a different city. And um, she said – and we were going to see each other in Mexico. And she said, um, you know – by the time you get to Mexico, like you're going to have, you're going to know what's, what to do, blah, blah, blah. And so I saw her and I was like, well, I, I it's not that I don't know what to do. I actually did it all <laughs> because I had talked to her, you know, at the beginning when I was just thinking about it. And, um, and as she predicted, that trip was in many ways, partially healing. It's very healing, but I, I say partially because the healing takes a really long time. You, and you experience stages and that's un, and that and that's where I'm going to talk about the next thing that when your life is crumbling around you when you're when you are in your tower time you you um when you're in your tower time you are going to heal and you'll be broken again because you know, if anything's being rebuilt exactly the way it was, it's coming right back down. Okay. So like I, this was healing, but I wasn't healed. <laughs> so anyway, went to Mexico. It's very healing. And I had these two sigils tattooed onto my wrists. Um, and the sigils, I'm not going to say what they mean. Sigil is a magical symbol charged with intent. And, um, they and they were again they they served as reminders to me to stay true and um it can be really helpful to have some kind of a physical reminder that you are that you, you need to stay true that you need to stay honest 
personally honest and that you need to you that you need to be free of resistance and every day i was telling myself like oh, just surrender 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 ride the wave surrender every day you need a daily mantra so so far you need to make sure you are not resisting you need a daily mantra, a symbol that is re- going to remind you that you need to ride the wave, no matter how big it is, no matter how scary it is. You need to just follow the path. So I went to Mexico and um, got these tattoos. I returned to um, the U.S. I went out to California to see a friend, a long, long-term friend of at least 12 years. And um, we had had, I had I had seen him in the spring, in April. And we've always had, you know, a little thing for each other. And in April, I mean, it was, he was in a relationship at that time. And um, we... And I had seen him a, a few times in the past several years. I was in a relationship, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, we were just friends. Nothing had ever happened. Um, but there was I, – I did start to notice some real tension. And um, when I had gone out in the spring to and had seen him, it I had stayed with him for a bit, um, you know, in a separate room. He was in a relationship, but it was so strong that we were actually, like, I actually, like, couldn't think straight. And it wasn't in, like, a delightful way. It was in a really stressful way, painful way, where, like, we we literally couldn't keep our hands off of each other. And it was really fucked with my mind and with his as well. Um, And I said, you know, you need to figure out what you want. Because I'm not like, you know, you're in a relationship that's not serving you. Not my problem, basically. Figure it out. And so I said, call me when you figured it out. And he did. In um, in June, he told me to come out. And we were going to see if anything, if it could work. We had no idea what that was going to mean. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, let's try to be in a relationship. It was just like, we're actually both single for the first time in a decade like let's just see what happens and it was a fucking disaster um long story short it was a total disaster it i clearly it was one of the situations where it was it only worked when it was forbidden it was a total disaster i ended up fleeing to a friend's house i say that you know dramatically nothing you know terrible happened but like it was just a mess it was awful and um you know we're still friends it's you know it was just one of those things where I realized it just, this was not in the cards for us. <laughs> so, um, you know, and at that time I was starting to feel like I, I just wanted to go back to Mexico. I did. I felt really, really pulled to come back to Mexico. And this brings me into my next, my next part of my protocol. You have to follow your intuition and it's easy when you're in a tower moment. I say moment. When you're in a tower time, it is easy so easy to 
to lose faith in your intuition and to shut it down. And that is the worst thing you can do at this time. So you need to stay open. And again, that mantra, okay, surrender, open, surrender, open, release, release. And this isn't a fancy affirmation. These are just words that kept me going. So that was a disappointment, but you know, it was what it was. So, and I was thinking, you know, I want to go back to Mexico. I just feel really called. Um, and so I did, I went back to Tulum, which is where I'd gone to the retreat and I, um, decided that's what I was going to do. Now, just before that, I had seen, um, my, my, my friend, my, my fateful meeting friend. Um, again, we had had a lovely time. Um, we had spent time together in New York. Um, but I, it was that time that I started to get a, I had a couple red flags that I ignored again. I ignored my intuition. I had a couple red flags. He had a really, really hot temper. He didn't physically hurt me then or ever, but, um, I got a couple red flags that I ignored and I thought, okay, like, you know, whatever. Um, and it's around that time too, that I was actually, I decided I was going to stop taking my, um, psychiatric medication. So, um, again, this was intuition. (laughs) This was, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm feeling great now. I mean, the reality was like shit was hitting the fan left and right. I had left a marriage. I had gotten rid of everything. I had moved out to, to nowhere. I was living out of suitcases. I had had, you know, I had, I had had a extremely fateful, you know, almost soulmate feeling meeting with this person. Um, and then I had this like failed proto relationship with somebody else. And, um, you know, just shit was hitting the fan left and right. And, but I just knew it was something I had to do. Now I have, um, I absolutely think that medication can be a extremely positive part of someone's healing process. I personally was on medication for depression and anxiety. Um, I was on the full dosages of a two drug cocktail and, um, it had really helped me a lot. And I actually don't know if I could have actually done all this without, um, that period of time of just, where I was on medication, where I was actually able to really get my life together. Because here's the thing a lot of people don't realize about depression. It's really hard to get your shit together when you're depressed or keep your shit together. And I had a very supportive partner, my then husband, to help me. And I was still, you know, pretty productive. But I was really, really, really underachieving because I just, I mean, I was doing everything I could. And finally getting um, my medication right made really allowed me to kind of get my life back in order. And I don't think I was would have been in the position to actually make these changes if I hadn't done that. But I just knew that it wasn't going to be serving me in the coming months. And I didn't know why. I didn't know why I knew that, but I listened and I decided I was going to detox. Um, not under the supervision of my doctor because I wasn't with my doctor anymore. I was traveling. I was living a nomadic lifestyle. I will say it's definitely suggested that you do this under the um, supervision of a doctor, but I didn't. (laughs) So I um, did some research and I weaned myself off um, somewhat 
um, gradually, but nowhere near as gradually as they recommended. And I was, and I, just before I departed for Mexico the second time, I was really sick. Um, I was very nauseous. I had flu-like symptoms, which is very common with medication detox, um, especially antidepressant detox. I had the shakes. Um, I felt like I had the flu. And um, I was very sick. And so one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to go back to Mexico, I didn't know why. And I also thought that would be a good place to detox, honestly. Um, and I had the resources at the time to do that. And so I um, I left my clients in New York who I'd been working with. And I went to – we were finished our projects. And I went to back to Mexico. And I laid on the beach and, you know, detoxed. <laughs> and it was a great place to detox. And while I was there, I, um, I was traveling with a friend, um, who I had made my first time in Mexico, um, who lived down there at the time or not traveling. We were staying together and, um, and it was great. And the, I spent about a month and a half there and, um, this brought me into the beginning of July. And the beginning of July, I a friend, a new fr another friend I had made um, in Mexico at this point. I was in Mexico City, um, where I had kind of ended up unexpectedly, and I was really enjoying. I had a friend um, offer me to sublet her house, and I, and I thought, you know, I've been wa I wanted to come back in September um, to visit, and I thought that's a great idea. And she said I could stay with her. And then she said, you know what? Actually, I'm going to be gone for three months. And I'm looking for somebody to stay there. And I thought that sounded amazing. Um, but I had all these other travel plans that fall. I told her I would think about it. And um, by the time I was on the airplane, I had already texted her telling her I would do it because I had a vision again. I had a, a vision of this house I'd only ever seen in pictures I had a vision of staying there, living there alone. I didn't know why, but I knew I knew I was going to do it, but I, I felt like I couldn't afford it. And so I, um, she said that she had a friend who was also thinking about living there. We could be roommates. Great. That was the plan. So I had committed to coming back in September and staying for three months. So um, I got back. And this was this was when... You know, I had had some real issues up to this point. Um, I was really looking for connection in the wrong places. Um, you know, in some ways I was just starved because I had actually, again, I had really, really pushed a huge part of me, my desires into the shadow. And so being able to explore those, um, you know, on my own and with others, um, both, you know, in terms of like travel, in terms of like personal relationships, redefining what I wanted in a personal relationship. Um, I welcome those opportunities, but I was actually really, um, you know, grieving still. And that brings me into my next, my next point, which is when you're in your tower, when everything is falling down around you, 
Listen to your intuition, yes. But recognize that it's not going to necessarily take you to all of the most beautiful places. It's going to take you where you need. So I'm not going to tell you, like, I'm not going to give you a set of rules here. I'm not going to say, you know, okay, if your relationship ends, you need to wait this long before getting involved with anyone else. Or if you you lose your job, you need to like wait this long or like get a job right away or whatever. I'm not going to give you rules because here's the thing. You need to follow your intuition and it's going to take you exactly where you have to go. And whatever other lessons you still haven't learned, you're going to learn. Whether you like it or not, so you might as well like it. So um, going back, um, I want to pause here. And I really hope that um, I know this might be hard to follow because I'm really trying to not mention any names. Um, I guess I could have, like, made up names. I didn't think about that. Now it's too late. So um, – I really, again, hope that this is resonating. Um, I hope that this will show you my point here in sharing this isn't just to like tell you every tell my tell you my life story. It's to show you what happens again when you have faith, when you trust, and when you decide you're willing to really go where you have to go. So I came back to the U.S. and I had um, lunch with a friend and the, and he said, I, you know, I told him about everything that was happen, had happened and he said, oh, like, did you ever work any magic around this? Because he was just like blown away. He was a, a fellow witch and um, he's just blown away of like how quickly everything was happening and how like it was clearly what was supposed to be happening. You know, it wasn't like you're moving too fast. It was like, you know, he, he knew he trusted me. And I said, no, I didn't. And then it hit me. That was when it hit me. How many months later? Seven months later, the uncrossing. Of course I'd worked a spell. Everything came after that. And I was lucky because when I realized it, and, and, I, and I know that this happened on, intentionally, when I realized that, when I realized that I had done this work, even though it had been a bumpy ride, I, I knew I could ride this. And that really saved me from victimizing myself, being like, oh my God, I should have never done that, and blah, blah, blah. Because again, I really want to stress whether you've intentionally set the intent, whether you have set the intention for massive change, for a quantum shift or not, don't blame yourself because it was going to happen. This was going to happen. The question was when. And I don't know about you. Like I said before, I would much, much rather things happen quickly than be drawn out for years. So um, I returned to the U.S. and planned to travel there for the summer. And I met up with my friend, my, um, my lover at that point, who I had been having this sort of long distance, um, you know, lovership with. <laughs> we never really, like, put it a word on it. Um, 
we had the intention to meet up and go to two really big transformational festivals together, one being Burning Man. And um, so that was what we did. And um, we met up prior to the first festival. And, and something had changed. And I knew, and, and everything in me was like, this is not going to, this is, it wasn't, I, I really want to be careful about my wording. It wasn't that it was saying, oh, don't go. That, I did not get that message. It wasn't saying, don't do it. It was just saying like, mm, something's off. It was, again, those red flags. And the red flags were starting to really, 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 really pop up. I didn't like who I, um, how I felt around this person. I didn't like um, how they made me feel. And I, and I really want to stress that I, I take full responsibility for that. And I also didn't like the way I acted around them. And, and I really want to stress that these toxic situations, um, they go both ways. Now, in no way, in no way is this saying that anyone deserves abuse, emotional or physical, or that you've attracted it in some way. Um, but it, it's absolutely people who are potentially abusive – they are attracted to certain situations, to certain energy. And that's not something that you can control necessarily, but um, they feed off of you. And that was what happened. And that was what I was sensing was starting to happen. But anyway, we went and um, and we, were, we had problems immediately. I'm not going to go into the details, but we traveled together for a month and it was – um, it, it really broke me. I, what it was, was that he was such a mirror, such a mirror for all of my insecurities, all of really all of these aspects I had pushed into the shadow. He mirrored them all right back to me, which in a loving relationship is actually a real gift but this wasn't loving and 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 i really i feel grateful for him for for holding that mirror up but it um it was really 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 hard we fought constantly and the fights were i mean they were the most terrifying kinds of fights that exist the kinds where Suddenly you're fighting and you actually don't even know why. You've no idea what happened. And they're saying things happened that didn't. Gaslighting. And they're, you know, making you question your own sanity. Questioning your memory. Questioning your intention. And I'm not going to speak to anyone else in a situation like this, but... I, I did allow it to happen because every time that my shadow got kicked up in the case of one of these, um, one of these pieces of one of these conflicts, I felt just even more shame and guilt. And I pushed it back deep, deep, deep until I was just 
as full of rage as he was. And that was what was scary. I saw myself changing before my very eyes around this person. You know, a person who I just wanted so, so deeply to love me. You know, who I just felt so connected to. And who would just give me a crumb and then would pull everything back away. Who really, really manipulated my self-perception. My perception of who I was. My perception of who I was in the world. And what I deserved as a result. And um, by the time we got to Burning Man, I, I was crying multiple times a day. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. The crying was a really interesting manifestation, actually, because one of the few the, one of the few side effects I had experienced while on medication for my depression and anxiety was that I actually wasn't able to cry. And this was something I actually only noticed maybe a year or so in because my whole life I'd actually been like a really, really easy crier. And that was something that I had a lot of shame around as well. You know, ever since I was a child, I felt like people, even though I, I always had like too much pride to cry in public, but I would just let it out, went around my family very easily. And I felt like that was um, like I was made fun of for that and I just had a lot of shame around it. It was so interesting. You know, I was a, like ashamed to cry in public. And so I would like keep it all in. And then I would cry so easily at home and then feel ashamed about that. Really, the shadow is made of shame. You know, anything that you deem unworthy, you push down there. And so it was interesting, actually, to be crying so much. And I realized... So many things were happening. First of all, I was crying for the first time. I was, I had detoxed completely, which means that, I mean, several years of things that I hadn't mourned just all came out. Deaths, um, broken relationships, personal failures. I mean, so many things. Just, I was just mourning. I was in such deep mourning. And then on top of that, I was in this extremely painful, toxic, abusive, emotionally abusive relationship. I mean, just so, in so much pain. And I tried to numb it so much. I've, I've never been a big partier at Burning Man, but I just was trying so hard to numb. Because the thing is at Burning Man, you really don't have to party. It's like your consciousness is altered, whether you're even if you're completely sober, just being there. And but I was, I mean, left and right self-medicating and just it made it worse. It made it so much worse. You know, I would still end up in my tent crying alone. And it was really interesting. And. um And. I remember so clearly one night he, my, my 
lover was very had been angry. Like we had we actually had were barely speaking at that point. Um, even though we were sharing resources and it was a real big mess. Like we were only speaking enough to like ask where the duct tape was. And um I just was in so much pain. I just wanted his forgiveness so much, not even ever actually asking myself what I was what I'd done wrong. I just felt this strong sense like I had just ruined something and like I couldn't fix it. And just crying, crying and talking to a friend about this one night without going into the details because she wasn't privy to all the details. And um, what I realized that night was the thing that I couldn't, that I felt like I couldn't fix was myself. I mean, I just, you know, the sort of glamorous side of my life up to, of the year up to this point with, you know, newly single, all this travel, this adventure, I mean, it just couldn't mask the fact that I was broken and that I was just so out of touch, even more out of touch with who I was before. And that's the thing. It's not a circular path. You know, I'm telling you to, to release. I'm telling you to surrender. I'm telling you not to hold on when you realize that this is your tower, that you are that person falling from the turret. But the thing is, your learning is not going to be linear. It's not like you fall and then you figure it out and then you build it again. No. You're going to come back and back and back and you need to get comfortable with that. You need to realize that your patterns, you will repeat them until they're broken. So they are going, when you're in the tower situation, they are going to come back into your life more and more painfully. And that was what was happening because the reality was I had a real pattern of losing myself in relationships. And this was deep shadow shit because here's the thing. I really knew that at my core, and I really had this identity in my intellectualized idea of who I was, that I was so strong, such a in strong individual, strong sense of self. And the thing is, I know now that I am those things, but I was that at my core. The reality was I actually had a real long history of altering my, just the superficial aspect, aspects of my behavior to suit the my love interest. And that like, oof, that that was really painful for my ego when I finally realized that in that moment. Really painful. And that's the thing. The your tower your tower situation is going to dig up all of your skeletons, all of your demons. They're in the shadow for a reason. Because you feel deep shame and not just shame but disgust around them. So often, what exists in your shadow is the polar opposite of what you perceive yourself to be. I mean, and that, to reconcile that, takes a real egoic death. It really does. So I would just look down. I remember laying in a hammock so in so much pain around this and looking at my leg my dusty leg where I had a, a tattoo of the Pluto symbol 
and that I'd gotten, you know, about a month prior. Pluto, the planet of death, destruction, rebirth. And just remembering that, okay, surrender, let it happen. And I prayed. I just cried out to the universe. I, I thought, like, just, I, like, something has to change. Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Because I knew that despite everything that had happened, if he was kind to me, I was going to just go right back. And that's the thing about the cycles of abuse, people. I mean, you always go back. It's really scary, actually, because, you know, people talk about abuse, like, as if it's like a test of wills and that, you know, you just have to, like, decide to leave somebody. Or, like, if you don't, you're weak. But I, I, I was and I am a strong person. And I had actually really never dealt with this in a relationship to this extent, like ever, um, you know, elements, experiences that were maybe emotionally abusive with partners, like the way we all can be with somebody, but never a relationship like this, never. And, um, and I didn't even see it coming. You know, I didn't even know it was happening. I just knew that I just, you know, I would grovel. I would apologize. He would get me to apologize for I don't even know what. It's really scary. So I just said, I don't know what, like, I don't know what to do. And then um, he told me he was leaving without me. And, and I left without him. Um, I, uh, Pretty much told me the day we were leaving that I wasn't going to come with him. And um, I figured it out. As he later told me, he knew I would. He was right. Um, and honestly, that was a really big blessing. That was the answer to my prayers, even though it felt just like, how could someone do that to me? It absolutely was the, was the answer to my prayers. And then I really started to heal. And, um, you know, I, I saw him again and it was a mess and, um, it was then I decided I, I wasn't going to speak to him again unless I absolutely had to. I, I did have to one more time after that. And after that I was like, I, I, I'm not, it's really the only, one of the only times in my life where I was left realizing that this person had no place in my life. Absolutely none. So I left and um, started rebuilding, rebuilding myself. I mean, like I told you, I was broken. I was in pieces. I had no idea what I was doing next. I know I was going to Mexico in the end of September, but I was just, you know, a mess. And at this point, I hadn't even been working. And I was just feeling like, not, I didn't even understand how, how could I even be somebody who at that, at this point who, you know, was helping people create homes that supported their goals when I didn't even know what my goals were and I didn't even have a home. 
I just didn't even know who I was. I had no idea. But I knew that every challenge was stripping off a layer. And so it wasn't that I didn't know who I was. You're going to feel like you don't know who you are. But you know, you've never forgotten. It's just there's so many layers of bullshit on top of it. And each piece of debris that falls from the tower of your life is just another layer being stripped off. How You can't rebuild until everything falls. Everything must fall. So I moved, I moved to Mexico and I didn't know if I was going to stay, but I, I knew I was going to stay. And I, I felt so alone. Again, I was still so broken. I was just throwing myself into work at this point, trying to revive my business, thinking now maybe I can figure out how to make this work, how to make this resonate with me. Because the reality is I really, really had at this point changed my ideas around what it means to have a home, what it means to have a physical space. I mean, I didn't know if I was ever going to have a home again um, in the traditional sense. But you know, I, I threw myself back into my business and I did that because I, I was so I felt so alone and but I knew I was in the right place. And so I was in Mexico, living in a big house by myself, working, 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 sometimes not leaving the, oh, my house for three days. At this point, I enlisted the help of a uh, mentor, of, of a business coach to help me. Um, she was in my field, somebody I had really respected and admired, and I'd followed for a very long time. And I remember so clearly in one of our sessions, she said, when I was explaining, I'm like, I'm not making money. And she was like, your ideas are all like so clear. Your vision is clear. Like something's out of alignment, Caitlin. Like something's out of alignment. And um, you know, I, I just tried so hard to figure out what, figure out what, figure out what. And um, I couldn't. So I kept working, kept working. October. I um I fell in love. Real for real this time. Again, it was so sudden, so unexpected, and seemed so perfect. Um and it was. But something was off. So I so I uh, did another uncrossing <laughs> and uh, just like the first one I did it just kind of in passing not even really thinking about it <laughs> and I laugh because this brings me to my next my next tip <laughs> you're gonna make the same mistakes again and again because they're not mistakes they are what has to happen so, for, so drop the guilt, drop the victimization, drop the bullshit and just recognize like it's going to happen the way it has to happen. 
and within a month, um, I had dropped out of school. I mean, I had already dropped out of school. I had not finished, actually finished my design school program, which I was doing remotely. Um, but I mean, I had just kind of stopped and I, and I knew I wasn't going to, um, to finish. And because I thought, you know, I have a, I have a business. I don't need to do this shit. Nobody cares about my certification because they didn't. And it was just like totally not in alignment. Like I had gotten some benefit of some value from it, but like I, it just wasn't in alignment with my vision for design for my business. And so I let that go. I had guilt around that because um, my ex-husband had actually um, invested in that for me um, because he had a lot of faith in me. He knew, you know, he'd seen me build and sell a business. He, you know, he knew that I was up for it, but I had guilt around that. But, you know, what was I going to do? I closed my business, which, again, I had already done. You know, it didn't, it, it just, in no way was I in alignment with it anymore. No way. And that's the thing about work. When you're in the tower, it's, I I find that work and romantic relationships are the two areas that our ego clings to the tightest. And so in your tower moment, whether or not it has been initiated by magical workings, like an uncrossing. Even if it's just a regular old damn tower, even if you've never lit a, ca- lit a candle in your life, any cracks in that foundation are going to explode. So just be aware that your relationships will end. Work, employment will end. And in some ways I was lucky. I was in the position where I um, you could end it. But I didn't know what I was going to do because at this point my savings were dwindling rapidly and pretty much gone. Um, and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I knew I had to do it, so I ended that. And also that relationship ended. Um. Not once, but twice, I experienced the worst heartbreak of my life. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of that, but I mean, without a doubt, the worst heartbreak of my life. And we reunited and it happened again. And this was actually when I... um. I started losing my vision. I, this is November. And I, um, I was really losing my vision at that point. I had forgotten my mantra of surrender. And I was just, I was broken before. Um, but I was broken differently this time because the reality was the first time I was broken, but He'd been a real asshole. <laughs> but this time when I, I mean, I really loved this person and, um, yeah, it was really, it was really painful in a different way, you know, because I, I just actually really couldn't 
see the light in it. With the situation of this emotionally abusive relationship I had been in, um, I, I knew I was better off without him, but I didn't, I didn't know that this time. I felt like I wasn't. And I felt betrayed. I felt like he had made promises he couldn't keep. And like, I felt like he was lying to himself. Like he just couldn't, couldn't make it work on his end when it was absolutely what he needed. These were all things I felt and I was really losing sight. I wasn't surrendered at that point. I was, I started really clinging on really, really holding on tight. Again, thinking like if I just, you know, can see this person, they'll realize they made a mistake. And again, I mean, it's not like me, but again, it was because I had a lesson to learn all of these lessons of placing self-worth in the love of another and receiving the love of another of placing a feeling incomplete on your own of failing to recognize that just because you have a soul connection with somebody doesn't mean you will be together and doesn't mean they won't hurt you. I mean, these were lessons I just kept learning, kept learning because I wasn't learning. I was showing up to class. I was doing the homework. I was getting an A. I was not learning my lesson. And, um, there's so much pain, so much pain. And it was it one of the reasons it was so bad was because I was holding on. I had done so well up to this point. I had followed all the advice I'm giving you now. I had ha- I had released, I had surrendered. I had recognized that what was going everything happening was for my highest good, that it was going to happen anyway eventually, that I had to just surrendered to the timeline. I felt like I was going to just, I I felt like I had to, you know, it was like the, I had forgotten what those words even meant. The sigils tattooed on my wrist that I saw every day. They're meant to serve as a reminder. I didn't even notice them anymore. I didn't even realize what had happened. I had completely lost my way. This time, I could no longer even see that one step in front of me. I was just so, honestly, just drowning in my pain at that point. Absolutely drowning. And, um, and thank God. I'm so incredibly grateful of a few, a few particular friends I had at that time, who I still have, (laughs) two of whom told me that I was making myself suffer because I had been so strong that this was just like the thing that crushed me and I didn't know 
at this point, you know, I hadn't actually even released all the guilt around changing my life. That was where the guilt was. Sure, there was a lot of guilt around ending, you know, my marriage because that involved another person, but I felt guilt about changing my life. And 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 that was mirrored back to me, not by a lot of people, but by a few. This idea of sort of like, who are you to change your life? You know, I mean, and people really have that idea. Like there's this sense of like, you need to, well, suffering is just what we do, you know, what people do. And you have to just like work at it. You can't just give up and run away to Mexico. But you know, that's fucking bullshit. Recognizing that something isn't working and taking change, no matter how dramatic necessary, not saying it has to be dramatic, but taking change to taking action to change it is brave. And there are a lot of cowards in the world. So of course they won't see it. I had two friends in the same day in different, different countries, (laughs) different cities tell me over the phone at this point, Caitlin, you're just suffering on purpose. And I realized they were right. And I realized I had to pull myself out of this. And, um, and I did until I, until I didn't. And I did again until I didn't again, because that's the thing. Healing is a cycle. You don't just wake up and feel better. And I'm actually going to go into this deep next week. Next week, I'm actually going to go really deep into how to heal heartbreak from a magical perspective and a mundane because it is, without a doubt, the biggest question I get. And the biggest thing people just want someone to take care of for them. But you can't. You can't. You have to do the work. And it was finally, it was finally near the end of the year when a friend really told me something that made me realize I had to let go. Because here's the thing, at this point, it wasn't that I like really expected, if I'm honest with myself, it wasn't that I like really, you know, wanted to be with this person or I thought it would still work. Like I knew it was past the point of repair, which it was. Um, but he told me something that really put in perspective with me and made me realize that I had to, I had to release and I did. And then January 1st, everything changed. And here's the, that's the thing about your tower or a quantum shift. I say it takes time. I say, you know, you have to just release. You have to surrender. You have to let it happen. But here's the thing. If you do that, everything actually can change in an instant. Or what feels like an instant. I remember so clearly 
I, I, that, that friend who had told me the thing, and I'm not going to say what it was. It's just a little too, even after all this, still a little too personal for me, but, um, he really, he's the one who shook me, really finally shook me, shook, shook me away from the, still like the very tight grasp this person who had hurt me had on me still. I mean, he didn't know he did. We weren't speaking. <laughs> um, but I remember I was on the bus on the way back. It was January 1st. And I was like, wow. I felt something I hadn't felt in a very long time, possibly ever. I felt like myself. <laughs> And I knew everything was about to change. But this time, changed the way I wanted it to. Because I had learned. This isn't to say I would ever make a mistake again or never have to learn a lesson yet again. But it was like I looked up to the sun and all of that debris that had been just raining on me for a year I looked up and I, I realized I saw the sun because the debris was all on the ground and I I remember feeling just so I felt different and um, I had energy and I went to a friend's party that night and I met my current my love that very night and I knew I was going to be with him and I am very happily <laughs> but that's not what this episode is about this episode that's already been insanely long and in the next few months I um I met a man who I would fall deeply in love with, who would be my mirror in the most loving, compassionate way. It's actually, that was kind of wild to realize because this person who had been so abusive to me, I realized he had just been such a mirror to the pain I was already feeling. And, and had he been more loving, that could have really been beneficial, but it was just so, it was just way too much. And so to be with somebody now who does the same, but in such a kind, compassionate, loving way has been just absolutely the most transformative relationship of my life. Again, it's not always easy because <laughs> transformation requires your parts of your ego to die, but it's right. I, I got into new work, rebuilt my financial foundation In the coming few months, I would rebuild my relationship with Venus, who I actually had completely abandoned. I had actually had a devotional practice to Venus, but I just, it was actually, it was right around the heartbreak that I was like, like, there's just so much Plutonian energy, all this death, destruction, and transformation happening that like Venus had gone quiet. Even she was just like, girl, this is... I'll be here when you're ready. And finally I was ready. 
I discovered Kundalini. I started this podcast. I started stepping up to the next level. And that's the point here. If you surrender, if you let go, if you let yourself be raked over the coals again and again and again, no matter how many times it takes for you to grow and evolve, what's on the other side is not only better than you could have imagined, but so incredibly different that you finally realize that is the point of the tower. That is a point of removing all of the blocks, no matter how attached you were to them, no matter how painful they were. That is the point. What you want you didn't know what it was because it was something you'd never imagined before. And so the universe had to burn everything down between you and that so that you could even see it. So I'm about to stop here. This is the longest podcast I've ever recorded by far. I have no idea if anyone is going to listen to this past the first 10 minutes. <laughs> but if you're still here, I want to thank you so, so deeply for listening, for holding the space, and for your bravery. Because you are brave. To have this evolution be occurring in your life, you are brave. You're not complaining about the things happening to you. You're recognizing that they are happening for you and that you are going to rebuild your vision so much stronger than you could have ever imagined. And I cannot wait to see what that looks like for you. Maybe it'll take a month Maybe it'll take a year. It'll take five years. I don't know. I mean, this is a year later, almost exactly. And you, know, I really thought that this year I would just like completely emerge like the phoenix. What I realized is that, you know, while well, I did emerge like the phoenix, like a sexy, beautiful phoenix, you know, I, th I thought by the end of the year I'd have my tower rebuilt. Forgetting that the, the most important part and the most time-consuming part of building anything is building the foundation. So I've got my foundation now. And if you still don't see your foundation, recognize it takes time. But guess what? The longer it takes, the stronger it's going to be. So time is on your side. Don't give up. Don't give in. But surrender. Recognize that whatever is coming at you, you can ride it. It doesn't have to drown you.
You're alive. You're here. You're brave. And I cannot wait to see what's next for you. Thank you. Good night.